With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, dude. I've never. If, can we have a video of that on Instagram? Everybody? Oh my god! I'm opening up this damn show because Lefko can't talk because he just had the computer smashed up to his face. Sims and Lefko live in the San Jose International Airport outside the legendary Access Point. Point Special Bar. thank you to the Access Point for hosting us today. This was oh, very nice of them to open incredible. up the doors. Pretty for us. awesome. I mean, and we had quite the fanfare here to start off. It's the kind show. of our first live show. A uh, few people looked at Chris and went, "Hey, did you play for the Titans?" <laughs> yes. uh, were you on the Levitard show? A lot of, <laughs> lot of good little moments there. A lot there, of good little moments. We're yeah. here in an airport. We're here in an airport. I, this is something I thought I'd never do. Put Check it off the list. People, and we're also right in front of a bathroom, and oh. people are coming out of the bathroom, taking photos, and then putting their head down as if like they didn't actually do it. Yeah, right. And I don't think they knew who they are, who we are. Oh, I don't think They're so They're just either. like, whatever they are, I need a photo. I'm going to show this picture to somebody I know and see if they know who they exactly, are. Exactly. What does that mean you thought you'd never do this? I you ne- thought you'd never tape a podcast in an airport? No, I did not. <laughs> wow. You have a problem? You, you really did not have the right expectations going into this. I guess I did not. We are in the midst of a training camp tour across California. Uh, we were in San Francisco. We hung out with some 49ers. Yep. Uh, then we're going down to L.A. to hang out with some Chargers, maybe some Rams. Uh, but we had uh, you were supposed to be on my flight here. And uh, you missed it. Yeah, I missed it. I mean, talk about the worst day ever getting out of here. (laughs) Uh, What was that, Tuesday? I do the PFT show in the morning. Yes. I then say I'm going to go home, okay, for 20 (laughs) minutes before the car picks me up. I do that. I'm on my way to JFK. You you know there was a little traffic jam construction on the road. Uh. But before, I must have had an accident. I missed my flight, bottom line. And I'm, I'm there, the I'm there yelling with the lady going, his name is Sims, he's coming. And then, no, I'm on the flight by myself. But I'm glad you made it. I made it, yeah. I got to my hotel last night at 1.40 in the morning, woke up six hours later. We went over to Levi Stadium, which was awesome. It was. Still an amazing stadium. Holy I mean, moly. I've been in there three times, and every time I go, wow, this Kyle place is Kyle did special. not come say hello. Yeah, what a jerk Kyle Shanahan is. Yeah, what a so jerk. friend he is. I might have to scribble, scribble his initials away <laughs> off my legs. Um, but, uh, by the way, end of the podcast, John David Washington interview. Uh, great actor. He is the wide receiver on Ballers. He's in the new movie Black Klansman, which is out now, which you should go see. He is also Denzel Washington's son. 30-minute interview, and I thought it was awesome. Awesome. Really good dude, and, and your dad's Phil Sims. His dad's Denzel. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty close, right? <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure my dad could walk through Germany and they'll know who he is. Uh, yeah, Denzel's on a different stratosphere than big old, the big fucker. The interview was great. Uh, speaking of your dad, yeah. I actually want to play this. What? This is, uh, you know, Colin Cowherd was uh, trying to do a speech about why uh, the Giants, it doesn't work out with Odell Beckham. And he's saying that, you know, Odell Beckham's a little crazy, he's a little sexy, and the Giants, they are the opposite of that. And this is what he said about the Giants and their history with stars. Sure. 
I mean, if you look at the history of the New York Giants, look at their stars. Mark Bavaro, Phil McConkey, David Tyree, Jeff Hostetler, Phil Sims. <sighs> anybody, anybody got an espresso? Even your stars are boring. <laughs> Boo. Uh, I mean, it, you know. I think he did a really good job of trying to not name, like, the biggest stars. Which would be who? Uh, I, I mean. Lawrence it, Taylor. I mean, yeah, sure. Plaxico Burris. I, well, I mean, there's been a number. Jeremy Shockey's been there. It's not oh, like yeah. it's been, like, this choir boy setting. Tiki Barber, was he a choir boy? Because no. I think everybody hated him in the NFL. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So I get that. I know what he's trying to say. It is kind of an understated organization. Uh, the Maras are that type of family. Yes. Um. And, yeah, I mean, Dad is like an Eli. I mean, he just he's not a sexy star. If you watch, people need to go back and YouTube videos of my dad being interviewed in the mid-'80s, and you'll understand why some local people did not like Phil Sims because he was so just – you know, Kentucky, humble. I'm not going to really give any in, like indication of who I am as a person. Right. I'm going to give you these robotic answers. And even when I go back and look at them at times, because I love to like turn on my dad's old games sure. and things like that, I just go, damn, well, no wonder a lot of people were like didn't like you when we were playing. I mean, it was you're allowed to smile. You're allowed to have personality. Yeah, but that was Parcells for sure. I know, sure. It, was, it was definitely Parcells. I he just thought it was funny that Phil. in Cowherd's rant to show all of the boringness, he buttoned it with Phil Sims because you always end with the one that's the most boring. Yes. Apparently that's Big Phil. Big Phil we were going to have Big Phil on today, but the problem is is he's too busy. Well, He's training like every up-and-coming big-time quarterback well, that's going to the NFL. We're taping at 540 West Coast time, and it is oh. 840 there. Oh. And I would bet you he is working on the field with somebody right now. That's really his Tell passion. It's his passion right now. It, it could be just He some, loves coaching young he kids. He loves. I think if Dad, if they paid more money, he would have been a coach a long time ago. Mm. Um, but, yeah, he loves coaching young kids. It could be some obscure kid from my high school. That's what's crazy is one week it would be like, oh, the – that NFL quarterback's coming in, and then the next week you're like, who are you working with? Oh, just some kid from some high school around the corner. You're like, what? Okay. But he loves it, and it doesn't matter who it is. He loves the talking ball and finding the challenge of how to fix this guy to make him better. Yes. One thing that I always love is hard knocks, and it returned. You haven't seen it yet. No, I have not. I'm sure a lot of people have. Uh, let me just kind of go over some of the big moments. Uh, Jarvis Landry uh, gave a very impassioned speech in the locker room pretty much saying that Losing shit is contagious, and it ends now. Yep. Don't listen to Chris Sims. He doesn't know what he's talking about, ranking wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where the anger comes from. I talked about from. this on Monday. I don't know if you listened to the Monday. I did, yeah. You want you an did. apology? Yeah. Yes, I do. What do you think? I don't listen to the podcast? Well, I, I, yeah. Okay, good. I, know I wasn't sure. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no, no. Please. <laughs> There was, there was one part at the very end that I really liked, which was Greg Williams. He goes horse by the third day of practice every year. Yeah, got to get your voice in shape in camp. I always went horse, too. And someone said to him, do you have a lozenge? And he goes, no shit, I got a lozenge, bitch. And it was just like the most Greg Williams thing ever. He doesn't even know what it means. So you went horse in, in training camp yeah, all the time, too. I think coaches and quarterbacks go training camp horse all the time. because How do you train that? Uh, do you yell in the offseason? Yeah, too? right. No, you don't. So that's what I mean. Right. All of a sudden, you're thrown in there and you're going, oh, okay, I'm the starting quarterback, and I had to yell the snap count a hundred times today with true voice inflection. Hold on one second. Oh, Vancouver flight, get your ass over there. <laughs> get there now. Get there now or you're screwed. All right, so continue. <laughs> but, yeah, you have to get your voice in shape just like anything else. I mean, Gruden so used you... to be horse as hell in meetings with us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, ah, well, what were you thinking here, Sabs? And you'd be like, eh. I mean, we were all like that because, okay, 100 play calls. You yell at a few guys that are out there lined up wrong, like, hey, move over. 
you're talking intensely in the huddle. Yeah. All of that stuff is strain on the, vo- the vocal passage. Speaking of volume, I'm realizing I have no semblance of how loud I am right now on this airport. Yeah, you're not as loud as normal. Well, you know, I don't know how loud I am. Yeah, right. But you're not, you're not as Josh, loud as normal. Josh, what do you think? How loud am I? Okay, yeah. normal conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm worried. I'm just, you know, I was curious. Yeah. Uh, but I thought there was one part that was weird where uh, the running backs coach and Todd Haley. Uh, you do this a lot. You know that? You make runnings back coach. Runnings back. It's a plural. You're an English fixer-upper all the time. It's a running, running, back. running back coach. You, you said, We're I, outside the access point. <laughs> I could have had a few shots Running backs coach. Oh, uh, I'm going to need some tequila after this. But the running backs coach, yeah. maybe I do say it weird. And you, Todd Haley, that? yeah, maybe. <laughs> we're both complaining about all the injuries and how they think these guys need to tough it up and play. Yeah. And here is what Hugh Jackson said to them that caused – Greg Williams and Todd Haley to look at each other. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, I don't know if they're – like, the, a lot of the episode was about Hugh Jackson and the losses in his family. It becomes a very sympathetic figure. Right. But there was a lot of parts where I was like, I don't know if John Dorsey likes Hugh Jackson, and I don't know if these other coaches like Hugh Jackson. I can tell you this. Hugh doesn't care. And me being around Hugh, he don't really care. Well, here's what he yeah. said. Guys, listen, I'm excited about what, you've, what you're doing. I'm going to say it again, but the chair I sit in is a little different than the chairs you guys sit in. I get to watch from a different lens, okay? And I think you guys can all respect that. At the end of the day, I get to drive the bus, and I'm going to do it the way that I want it. That's it. Is that how it works? Okay? Yeah. And it was the fact that everybody knew it was on camera, and it kind of felt like an adult like disciplining its kids. Right, right. And I'm sitting there going... Do you think Tom? Do you think Tomlin was doing that to Todd Haley? No, I don't think so either. I, it, Todd Haley looked like he was just like, well, like authority, really, really eating his pride. Well, yeah, authority is going to be questioned anytime you're one in thirty-one. Like, how could it? Right, not? exactly, right. And you know, I, I hear things like that. Listen, those conversations go on in the NFL between some of the best coaches. Sometimes you got to just put people in line a little bit. Yeah. To go like, hey, don't forget, I'm the man here. Otherwise, you'll lose your team. You will lose your team, and you don't want to lose your coaches. But the other thing that's interesting about that little conversation, too, is um, both those guys have been head coaches. I mean, they, they've, right. it's, not like, it's not like they don't know. So, and, but I will say this. To defend a guy like uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson is this is also another thing that coordinators do too much in the NFL. They really do. They're too, more, they're too worried about their side of the ball. They want their, their toys on their side of the yeah. ball to be out there. Yeah. They have these personable relationships. But I still think Hugh, and I haven't seen it yet, is saying and meaning the right thing. That's I, the job of the head coach. Yes. To keep the big picture in mind. We're not worried about how good we are in training camp number you know, right. 10 practice. And he's also being super coy about Josh Gordon. Like, I, I can't tell what's actually going on and where he's going to be. He seems throughout very confident that it's going to show up, but he's not saying anything. And I do think it sounds like at this point – they just don't want to have him on hard knocks. They don't want to make that the story of the offseason. They don't want to focus on his issues and bring it all up and all that. That's kind of the vibe I get from Hugh you, and the you show. Think that's why, you think that's the main reason he's not there? It just sounds – either that or it's really questionable. Well, I know. That's what I mean. I, I, man, I don't know where, where I think on this. The problem is I don't want to hypothesize right. that he's going through these issues again yeah. as someone that's been in those issues. Yeah. And I think that I'm going to play the wait and see. And there's a lot of theories. Yes, there's a lot of theories. I, I, your gut's telling you that it's not good, though. No, well, yeah, my gut tells me it's not good, and my gut tells me it's not about hard knocks because, again, I just don't know. Okay, it's a guy that hasn't played a lot of football. 
and now we're going to take reps away right. from him because Hard Knocks in town. That just doesn't make sense to me. He's a guy that has to get back into football shape, yes. reprove himself, all those things. So, yeah, I got to think that there's a, a slip up or maybe it just, hey, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's an anxiety, stress order, whatever, but he's figuring mm. it out, and we'll, we'll find out at, at some point. Speaking of why, what? Just so you know, we got an hour till boarding. Okay. So we'll make oh, it. Nice. Let's try and wrap this thing up here. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of the wide receiver that's apparently having issues with his team, uh, Martavis Bryant. Yeah. Uh, what we're trying to do at Sims and Lefko, I think it's happened the last week now, is we're trying to show you how stories in the media formulate and what happens. Right. So James Jones, former wide receiver for the Raiders, for the Packers, the guy that wore the hoodie under his jersey that one time, and it yep. was crazy. Right. Uh, he said on NFL Network that he talked to Raiders offensive coordinator Greg Olson and that Olson told him Brian hasn't learned the playbook. Quote, I just had a chance to speak with Coach Olson. He said, talent-wise, there's probably nobody better that can compete with Bryant. But he said he's not picking up the playbook, and that's the reason of a little frustration right now. Literally an hour later, John Gruden comes out and says, not only is Martavis Bryant good, he's great. Two days after he himself called out Martavis Bryant. Right. This was James Jones, in our opinion, not knowing how the media works. And you don't put the guy on blast. You're supposed to say the team is a little I heard frustrated. from a source or a coach told me. Yes. Right? So not only is it that, then a position coach came out after Gruden yeah. and also reaffirmed that Martavis is working hard. Yeah, so I- I'm glad that you're bringing this up. And I want to say, I'm going to add a little fuel to yeah, the fire. I went on NFL.com and one story was up, and that was Gruden says Martavis Bryan is great. No mention of the NFL Network's own James Jones right. breaking that, right. which shows you again like, I know you use NFL.com, and yeah. I, I, I know I put people on blast, and it's going to come back to bite me eventually. That's okay. I don't care. But, like, that to me, you're not putting out all the stories. No, you're not. You're lying to fans yes. that care about your product They're because you're trying to protect the Shield, and to be honest, we're just going to give a you the Shield truth. and one of their own, own employees that, yeah. that made the story. But, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm br- glad you're bringing it up because it is about reading the tea leaves of the NFL and little things like that. Um, First of all, yeah, James Jones didn't take the right approach. I bet you Greg Olson walked into the room oh, and I saw bet that. Oh, I freaked oh, out. He freaked out. I bet you Gruden freaked out on him, whatever it may be. Uh, and I think Olson was probably going, man, I'm telling a, a trusted ex-player here yes. something that, you know, he, sure he can report, but don't attribute my name to it. And so he probably didn't think that he needed to clarify that it was an right. off-the-record I would, like I would think so. But, yes, then the full-fledged attack by the Raiders to put the positive spin on the Martavis Bryant thing. You know, again, you're going to hear about guys having issues learning a new offense. You hope that teams don't put you on blast. I know being on and playing for John Gruden before that he can put too much on your plate, especially when you're trying to learn it. Like with the Martavis Bryan, who's been in one system his whole career and came from Clemson where I don't think it was overly complicated. You have to do your best to just make it simple for him right. at first. Learn this one spot. Learn X receiver and we'll just build from there. Right. And after you master that, then we'll maybe throw in a few slot plays that you, we feel you can g- grab. But it is brutal, man. And he went from Pittsburgh with Todd Haley and that yeah. offense into Gruden. 
That's it's a lot to learn. And That's very different. It is. It's very different. Todd Haley would be closer to the Bruce New, Arians with a New Englandish like type a vertical of, passing. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And it's the way they phrase things is completely oh, different. I mean, the way that you guys talk about learning the West Coast as a rookie. I mean, it sounds like it's the most complicated of all the languages. It, it is because it's all about timing and, and and it's not just about routes. No, it's and not. Depth. It, it's it's a, it's a lot of different things. It's the check. Plus, and I like would say Jordan, Jordy's there, and Jordy's like a master of this. Well, shit. yeah, he's gonna know all the bakes basics but yeah. I, I can promise you jordy got there and was like whoa i didn't mm. we didn't do this in green bay we just we just let aaron drop back and figure it out when, yeah, they, when exactly. they played the, this defense you know gruden's gonna have an answer for everything mm. and that was always what i told you like gruden is amazing he's the mad scientist i know he's gonna get that organization yeah. in the right way he's changed as a person but the th- interesting thing for me, like we talked about during the owners' meeting, we, uh, he, he was carrying around his playbook, right? He was, like, teaching himself a simpler way so that he could teach other people. Right. I wonder how far it went to become simple right. before he finally said, screw it. And that's my thing I'm is going back you to my know old ways. Gruden. I know. Gruden 100% probably came in and was like, I'm going to be calm. I'm going to simplify it. And then three days in, he's like... I need to bring in the good shit. I, think I need so. to impress the defense. I need to like make my mark on this. I I, I would not. That be, makes sense. Be to me. shocked, right? I mean, that's just what he does. He loves plays. How often do tigers change their stripes? Never. I don't even know if that's the phrase. No, I don't think it's something like yeah, that. It was close enough. It was close enough. Yeah, we got the good. point. Uh, all right, I got three. Whoa, whoa! Big training camps. I never whoa in an airport before. <laughs> um, a lot of heads turning. Yeah. I, I, this whole process is incredible. It is. Really People like at it. Gate 7 are very confused. All right, first one up. Uh, Frank Gore is very impressed with Kenyon Drake, saying, quote, I kind of see why they traded Jay Ajayi. Uh, I'm learning now that you're going on pro football talk and you're kind of taking your gems with you. Yeah, enough of that. Well, it's that host there. He just knows yeah, well, how to get the best out of me. Yeah, well, you know what? He, he does his accounting. and he, he You're just it. the other guy. Uh, but but you're, you've kind of always felt the same way with Kenyon Drake. I picked him to win Rookie of the Year, which right. was three years ago, right? right. I mean, but uh, yes, he didn't play much as a rookie. Last year, we did see some of his talent. Yes, yeah, and they were I, willing to let Damian Williams go too, right? And I think, um, yes, he is a guy that I look at. First of all, he's electric in Alabama. Of course, he had to share carries with other guys, but. Uh, I, I do think his skill set fits NFL football way better than college. And I know on the show on PFT the other day. Yeah, I said, but why? But what, why? It hasn't really come out the first two years. Why are you confident that the third year could be the year it be, comes because out? Because it came out enough last year for me to he go. He did have a few major sparks. The second half of the year, it was pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, kick returns, receiving, whatever it may be. Explosive plays. Yes. And that's the type of ability he has. I know on the show I said the other day that he could be a, you know, Alvin Kamara type of guy uh, for that offense this year, and I do think that that's certainly something to look at. Yeah, when you look at the second half of the season, he right. had 120 against Denver and a touchdown with three catches for 21 yards. Next week against New England goes for 114 with five catches for 79 yep. yards. He he was getting in the teens of carries, but he was also catching multiple balls a game. Yes. And, I mean, the dude has a spark. The question is, he barely played in the first half, so did he just have rested legs in the second half? We're going to find out. And plus, with that Adam Gase's offense, he loves sending those guys little wheel routes, getting them out in the open. He definitely does. He's going to know how to use the running back uh, really any way possible. I mean, that, that's the, the awesome thing. He's not going to get worn out with Frank Gore being there because he'll take some carries away yeah, from let him. let Frank Gore pound right. and then use Kenyon Drake more in the second half. The biggest thing with Drake that 
we have to watch out for it. It became a little bit of a problem last year. Fumbles? It, yes. It was yeah. his problem in college. It's yeah. his problem in the NFL. So that's going to be the thing no I watch way out to for. Get just faster. No, you'll, you'll, especially with a coach like Adam Gase oh where people God. are – He's a no-nonsense guy. People are already going, oh, if Miami doesn't turn it around, maybe yes. Adam Gase is in trouble. All right, I got another – whoa, whoa. Big training camp. Big airport. Noah Spence – Put on thirty-five pounds. Oh, he's doing uh, he's doing drugs. He's doing steroids by eating nine steroids. There's no way by eating nine thousand calories a day. Nine thousand calories a day, and he put on thirty-five pounds this offseason. Yeah. Two things: one, right. I wish we all could productively eat nine thousand calories a day. Right. Number two, um, is it healthy to put on thirty-five pounds in like three months? No. Is it healthy? That's no. got. Are we sure? I mean, are we? I mean, what? I mean, 9,000 calories a day is not good for anybody, I don't really think. I mean, guys like him, or we just were with George Kittle with the 49ers. Yes. He's doing the same type of thing. He's got to eat and drink nine Dude, protein that, shakes to be 247. Yes. He's one of those guys. There are certain guys They're in the league that are like, like 230 guys. They're like 15 to 20 pounds lighter than what they really are. Noah Spence, that's certainly been an issue from him coming out, is, yeah, he's way undersized. Yeah. Uh, the big thing for him is going to be maintaining it. Okay, yes, you put of the course, weight on. But then throughout the season, you're, you might lose 20 pounds. You, you're going to be stressed. You're getting physically worn out. And you're not eating out. like that during the season. Gonna be, I mean, it's hard. It weighs on you. I, I, it's one Do of the, you know any teammates that like put on a lot and, and like had a trouble maintaining it? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. there was definitely a, always a faction in the locker room of five, six, seven guys who – you know, like we always talk about, there was the guys that had to work hard to stay up at their weight. Yes. And then there's really the other rest of the team that's all, like, watching what they eat so they can stay at their weight limit. Yes. But those tight ends, undersized linebackers. Outside they have pass these, rushers. Yes. They have metabolism sometimes there. You just go, I mean, he could eat just straight lard, and he's not going to do anything. Like, he's not going to put Have you ever seen anybody do that? He'll become more ripped. <laughs> and he'll be like, oh, the fat was good for his system. And then learn that he burns more fat. These guys' bodies. They're freaks of nature are incredible yes like okay so just to kind of give you guys behind the curtain we were in san francisco and we were hanging out with george kittle and trent taylor yeah but george kittle's body he's enormous like if you saw him at a club you go holy crap like yeah. what is that right guy? i know he's six five i mean the, the stuff that that dude puts down from panda express oh insane. my god that's i mean there's my their stomach he told me what he eats for lunch and i went well that's probably what i would eat for four different meals from that place yes now he's working out like a madman so his body he did, is, he did the arm farm before he the came arm to farm the, what is an arm farm um it, it's uh, it, i never heard that phrase exactly. i think it's like you do your tries your buys your shoulders like okay you do so all that's of what it. i normally do i just didn't know it was called an arm yeah farm. yeah <laughs> it's it. normally what you do don't seem to get the same you were results. saying that a lot of guys do it like the day before the game or the Friday yes. so that you go out there and you're looking real big and right. you're feeling real strong. You don't want to do any like squats or power cleans the day or day two before the game, but oh, I mean... Yeah, the God forbid your back or your legs are sore. Oh, but DBs, linebackers, defensive ends on a Friday in the NFL season, <laughs> they are going to go in and practice and you're going to go in there and see some freaks. Just all they're doing is arms. That's their one day that we're going to do arms so they look good in their uniform. And there is more biceps and triceps popping places. It's Man, unbelievable. That's really a thing? It's a thing with everybody. How? how? Tennessee. They're not tired, tires? though? No, no, because it, it is, it's also arms. Everybody gets into it. It's Friday. It was an easy day of practice. I got the rest of the day off. 
Saturday's going to be a walkthrough. Yeah. And I also think like this, like yeah. you don't ever want to do arms if you're playing basketball, right? Because right. it messes up touch. But how many of those motherfuckers are touching a ball? No, they got you know nothing I mean? to worry about. All, they want their arms big as hell because they're throwing them at people. So they don't really care about touch. They want it to be just like a mass of muscle that they throw at Definitely. People. No, no quarterbacks, receivers. Yeah, quarterbacks aren't doing Receivers that aren't doing it either, really. I mean, they might go in there real quick and just do a little something, but they're not worried about that. No, it's a yeah, tro- you want totally defensive thing. You want swollen meat sticks oh, at you from your body. Watterson? Watterson in Tennessee? My what old is, strength oh, coach? What Watterson? is it? Watterson? Watterson, yeah, but he's from Rhode Island. So Watterson. He said, Watterson. I'm Coach Watterson from Rhode Island. And he, I mean, he would get in on the arms days. Oh, really? Oh, but man, him and Chris Harper uh, and Kyle Vandenbosch, and this group of guys. And that, they just got like 150 dumbbells They'd like be overhead. going like hardcore sleeves rolled up. Oh, yeah. And just George getting Kittle, after th- it. George Kittle didn't have sleeves. He didn't have shoulders. It, like the shirt went from his neck to his hip. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you're making me uncomfortable. The tan line. I got two quotes from you, two different people. One is Eric Weddle. He says, I think in five years it's going to be out, mm-hmm. talking about the RPO. Yeah. I think it's just another phase. It's a revolving door, like the Wildcat, the quarterback run game, yada, yada, yada. Teams that run the ball and take shots are usually the hard teams to beat. Do you agree with him? The RPO is just a phase. Uh, I Yes, I don't think it's ever going to be like completely out of the game, but it's not going to be featured as much as we saw last year or maybe even the start of this year because it is. The I other, think if you had a mobile quarterback, you, you hold the defensive end. There's well, a benefit to it. Sure, certainly, there's always going to be benefits yeah. to it, yes. Uh, but they're going to they're gonna start to find things that maybe are not beneficial to it. And again, just like anything else, like the short passing game with the bubble screens and all that stuff, the year Peyton Manning threw 55-yard right, touchdowns, right. that shit came to an end in a hurry because defenses changed their scheme. The cover three press bail became, yeah. we'll get another guy down there to protect against that stuff. There will be adjustments made. And what other people don't forget, this is really the biggest reason things like these don't last long in the okay, NFL. Okay, let's hear this. It's just the talent on the field. In a college game, you know, you could be playing against a defense end or a weak side linebacker, and that's great. He's Johnny Tryhard that right. is the starting college linebacker. Right. But in the NFL, you're going to see two freaks at that position on a weekly basis. That can literally cover the running back and the quarterback right. they can, at the same he, he time. Can stay, right. Like Anthony Barr can be like, I'm going to stay in the passing lane, and then when he hands it off, I'll run him down and go get him. Because I'm that good. I'm that good, and I'll meet him at the hole in the weak side gap if he makes that cutback. The talent the really things. does overwhelm That's everything That's the else. thing, right. I mean, you know. Yeah, running quarterbacks, really? Okay, yeah, they're, they're going to work to a degree, but like a Colin Kaepernick, right? I mean, he ran for a year yes. or two, and then that shit ended in a hurry, too. Yeah. You know? It yeah, everyone does. figures it out. Right. All right, and then this oh, is for— what, The other thing, though, that he said about running the ball and taking shots, that's what wins— that, I mean, it's like we talk about it all the time. Teams that have the fullback— they seem to always be the best offenses. Yeah. The Saints, the, pa- the the Patriots, the 49ers. Jaguars. Right. The Atlanta Falcons. Yes. All of them use fullbacks. And what do they do? They also run the ball. And you yeah. go, damn, we got to worry about the down. And all of a sudden it goes, whoa, Julio Jones is behind me for 70. Mm. Or Taylor Gabriel or whatever. Whoever yeah. it may be. Marcus Goodwin. It seems like more of a threat. It definitely is. It's, it's harder to defend. There's more to defend. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers sat down with Kevin Clark of The Ringer, and he was asked, if you were commissioner, what would you do? Uh, and two things kind of caught my attention. One hmm. saying the owner shouldn't be able to pass rules without ratifying it through the players, which I think was kind of thrown in our faces this year with the anthem policy. Yep. And the second one is uh, talking about the cap and a hard cap in the NFL and how he wishes it was more like the NBA, yeah. saying with the luxury tax that he would allow teams to go over the cap, that if they did, they would get hit with the luxury attack we're not hurting just like the nba we're not hurting for revenue right we're doing excellent and i think we should be able to do luxury tax instead of a hard cap i, I do too but there's no way the nfl owners will allow a removal of the hard cap i talked to howard beck about a hard cap in the nba right and he says every single year it's the number one thing on the itinerary and every single year the players go absolutely not but the owners go if we don't put it number one then we're being an idiot because, of course, we want a hard cap. Right. The NFL owners are sitting in a power position where they have it, and you got to remove it. And I, it's kind of at this point, I mean, the NFL players would want to put all their chips to change that, but there's so much more of the CBA yeah, that right. need to change. There's so many more chips that need to be changed, like the fifth-year option for rookie players, oh or restricted free agents, or whatever unrestricted free agents, tenders, all those. It's a... A long line of things. The NFL players are never going to win this war with yes. these owners with the way that it is and the, the current status of the average career of the players. Yes. Um, I'll say this. This is where it's interesting to me, and this may be to where I don't know. the you know if the, if the NFL owners can find the analytics or something that's where it would pay for them, to me, it could increase rivalry football. Okay. And it can increase you your ability to keep your star players. Okay. Like – I think it, I just think about my time in, t- in Tampa, right? Yes. Tampa, getting towards the end of the career, they wanted to keep Derrick Brooks. They wanted to keep Rondé Barber, all those things, because it was part of the identity of the Bucks. But the va- like the same thing with Brian but Dawkins the value, and the Eagles. Well, yeah, and the value is an, exactly right. Exactly. And he got paid $9 million of the Broncos, mm-hmm. and the Eagles were like, you're a $5 million safety at this point of your career. Yes, so I wish they could find some way to keep those guys. To like, a, like, a, like a legendary player salary. Exactly. Like he's saying, a luxury tax. So now, oh, okay, he got offered nine. We can pay him nine, too. But since he's been on our team for six or years more, you can deduct one-third of the salary, mm. whatever it may be. That'd be there dope. has to be something like that. I think it's going to make the sport better. It's going to make more players. This would come into play with Earl Thomas right exactly. now. Exactly. It would make players more identifiable with their teams. Because they don't want to leave. No, and it's going to increase rivalries. It's just like we talk about back in the 80s. Part of the reason my dad hated your Philadelphia Eagles because he saw Reggie and Jerome Brown every twice yeah. a year. Yeah. It was personal. It was like, yeah. no, fuck you. You did that to me last year, and you're back, and I want re- re- payback. That's why my dad hated the 49ers. It was the same 11 guys on defense right, every so year. So two things we want to add is a separate salary cap for running backs and then some form of super veteran legend. Right, uh, legend. Like, like uh, legend what's salary call your, What's tax it called when your parents give you money? Allowance, allowance, yeah, yeah, like a legend allowance, right? Like you can, you can, you can, uh, you know, you know, uh, relegate three guys to legend status on your roster every That's year. That's pretty dope. You know what I mean? I like that. And you go, okay. Do three we need guys. to go to the owners' meetings and I help mean, negotiate the new it, CBA? It would help with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Oh, here's thirty million a year, but it only counts for twenty against us. Quick thoughts on germaphobe Josh sitting on an airport floor. I right was now. actually going to call him out on that. <laughs> oh, I already called myself out on it. What do you want me to I, do here? We're 
I wish feel? I could have snoozed, uh, but yeah, especially right feel? outside the bathroom. I feel too. disgusting, but <laughs> w- I mean, whatever I need to do to get the podcast done. You are, you. you're the man. I'm going to go to the room. I'm going to run my jeans in the bathtub. I'm going to dry them overnight. <laughs> He's going to be like, it's going to be like Ace Ventura. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to set all your clothes on fire. And you're going to be in the bathtub with a plunger over your face being like, not clean. If, <laughs> if Erica was here right now and saw me rolling around on the floor of the airport outside of the bathroom, I might not let, be allowed back That's in the apartment a, for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I'm really proud of you, though. That's you're, re- great. you're really taking it for the team right now. <laughs> We're just two weirdos sitting here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No way. <laughs> we are getting looked at like, on? We're nope. looked at like <laughs> zoo animals. Uh, one other quote, though, from Aaron Rodgers made me filled with pride. Oh. And it made me go, oh, this Aaron is our quarterback. Yes. We have always said that we needed one of the famous white quarterbacks to yep. stand up and speak their mind on mm-hmm. this. And in this article, Aaron Rodgers went for it. I don't know how many times we can say, as a player and as a group, how much we love and support and appreciate the troops and the opportunity this country allows us. But this is about equality and something bigger than ourselves and bringing people together and love and connectedness and equality and social justice and putting a light on people who deserve to have the attention for their causes and their difficult situations that they're in. You know, people have their opinion. You shouldn't do it during the anthem. You shouldn't do it during this. That's fine. But let's not take away from what the real issue is. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. That's it. This is what we need. This is, I mean, I, I hope he continues to be vocal about that because he is somebody that can get some of the people on the other side. And he's so well-spoken. That's what I mean. He's very well thought out. He really is. And he's, and he's, and he showed us that he has the guts to make little stands like that. Yes. And not care necessarily. Between that and the fact that he cussed out his young receivers this Saying week. that they put up no effort. It was embarrassing. He's getting to that point in his career. He's done with the bullshit. I'm done with the bullshit. I'm here to win games and win Super Bowls, and it doesn't matter anymore. I don't give a shit if you guys you like You know what it is, what? man? I'm going to be real. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers is like 34 years old, right? Right, right. Okay. I'm reaching that point in my life. Yeah, I hear you. I think in your mid-30s, you reach a point where you're just done with the bullshit. I get you. Like, Damn. I went I went. You're in your mid-30s? I'm 32. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, man. I mean, what's the difference between me and Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Not much. We're you're just right. both fed up with the... I think that, it's a mix of 100 age. Million, but. but I also think Aaron Rodgers... <laughs> okay, okay. We always talk about this with quarter, with, with players... Aaron Rodgers isn't just 34. Yeah. He's like 45 right. because everyone in the locker room is now so young and so annoying. Yes. And they're not paying attention. Right. Yeah, but you loved Aaron Rodgers ripping into those guys. I huh? loved it because it just it showed me he's – it's really – he's like you said, it's just no nonsense. He's had enough. It's he about winning. He kind of always felt like – I'm going to do my thing and everybody else do their thing. Yes. And this I'll offseat, trust that you'll get it right. This offseat, you're right. He does feel a little bit more like, no, 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 no. Right. Do what I need to do. And all the coaches are saying he's so ready. Yeah. So the whole, like, he's coming back from injury, I think Aaron's super ready. I, I do, too. He's a man on a mission. I can't wait. And then the other thing, too, about that, just why we're on that topic, too, is, you know, again, I, I do like the position of – not letting our current president have this jumping off point. This is why I've been arguing about the kneeling during the anthem because this is one of his rallying cries and this will take one thing away. So as much as I want everybody to kneel to just shove it in his face, I also just have another side of me that goes, I don't want him to have any ability to, you know, fan the flames anymore. Hey, you know, the last time that Donald Trump came at somebody and that person just did it and it hasn't continued. LeBron, LeBron motherfucking James. James. Right, that's right. You know, it's if you have somebody that wants to be the town crier and that calls out people all the time, you know how you handle it? Yeah. I'm not listening to right. you. Right. You're unimportant to me. Yes. 
Um, all right, one more thing before we get to John David Washington. It was actually a really good interview. Uh, you'll tell by the end of it, he was looking at us and going, you two are crazy. Yeah, he was like, awesome. he legitimately said that. Yeah. Uh, but it was good. We the talked- insight with Spike Lee was amazing. Too. Oh, my God. Yeah, we kind of talked about, we compared, like, Belichick and Spike Lee. It's a pretty cool comparison. Uh-huh. But uh, Khalil Mack, uh, they're actually admitting that maybe a trade could be happening, which I know that we're both going, don't do it. I think it's posturing. I really do. Interesting. Yeah. But I've talked about this before in the Undoing Project. Hold on, pray for this guy's photo. Give it on. Yeah. Uh, no, take it, take it, take it, take it. Yeah. He did. He oh, did. Yeah, good. Uh, the, in the Undoing Project, that first chapter is all about the Houston Rockets. And one thing that was cool is he goes, they know the trade value for every guy on their team. So even though James Harden just won MVP, they know if you offer them this guy, this guy, this guy, and these amount of picks, that fulfills it. That's the value to get them, yeah. and now we'll go that we're going to do it. Right. So, yeah, of course you don't want to trade Khalil Mack, but in your mind, what would the offer have to be for the Raiders to go, damn, that's actually good value? Yeah, I mean, two first-rounders not going to happen, right? I don't think that happens. You don't think a team gives two I don't think anybody gets two first-rounders. What if you're a team like the Saints? Yeah. That, that maybe you're not sure about your pass rush, right. and you're going, we're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Our window with Drew Brees is closing. Yeah. You know, we can live on second and third round picks and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you're right. Well, they just traded a first round pick For to get a pass rusher. Exactly. In, right? But yeah, I, I can see Marcus Davenport. that type of thing. Certainly, I think realistically, the Vikings. Well, realistically, yeah, you're. But they're have, a good drafting team. The shitty drafting teams like the Browns. You know, maybe you trade like none of your first round picks are on the team for the last eight years. Maybe you get Miles Garrett and Khalil Mack. Give up some of those first round picks. That's not a bad team. No, I mean, I, you know, it's just about okay. You're going to give up. A, Is it only going to take round? two first round picks though? No, I think it's going to take. Well, no, I don't think anybody's going to give a first round pick for anybody in the sport except for two first round picks for, for anybody except for maybe Aaron Rodgers, like Odell Beckham Jr. Timeout. We heard who were the guys in the NFL that would take two first round picks? Man, that you would actually give it up. Yeah, would you I give mean, it up for Tom Brady? No, I don't think not it's at forty one. Right. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Aaron Rodgers. What about like a Deshaun Watson? Ooh. That would be thought about. Carson where he's Wentz. at his yeah, age. Carson yeah, Wentz. where they're at at their age. Yes, if they caught the right situation. What about a Russell Wilson at 29? Mm, I still think he's young enough to where a team that they really were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're in on Russell Wilson. We like it. Yeah, he's worth two first-round picks. He's definitely worth he, – yes, he's worth two first-round picks. Any non-quarterbacks? Von Miller? Not at this age. Okay. You know, Odell is borderline. Todd Jaylen Gurley. Ramsey's borderline. Todd, Todd Gurley, they're borderline. But I don't think they're going to get two first-round picks. Aaron Donald? No. because No, I don't. What? Yeah, I don't. I don't I'd think, give up two first-round picks for Aaron Donald. I, I hear you. Uh, the other thing that's going to like the Aaron Donald, Odell Beckham Just Jr. pretend Aaron Donald was your well, first-round pick next year. Or Khalil Mack. Right. They will do that. But the other thing we have to throw into this conversation is, is the money. you got to pay him $100 million. Right, yeah. so that's the other thing that takes away from the trade value. I think the Browns should trade for Khalil Mack. Well, I, listen, they suck at drafting. Three teams that need <gasps> pass rushers. Sims did work. Wow. I mean, yeah. three teams. Look at you, right now. The first team, I don't know if he'd be willing to give up one of his draft picks because he thinks he's really damn good at evaluating players, and that's Chris Ballard with the Colts. But damn, Ooh. I mean, can people even? I most people I talk to, I go, can you name me somebody in the front seven of the Colts? And they're like, I'm, 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 all right, I'm, let me try. Let me try. Yeah, Hassan Ridgeway. There we go. Okay, so I got one. Yep. Um, do they still? God <laughs> damn, it's tough. Uh, I got nothing. 
I mean, they took the Kamika Toreo, right? Oh, our guy from Rutgers. Exactly are right. You? Yeah, are yeah, you? Yeah. Are you? Are you looking at the front uh, Yeah, I've just pulled it up. I'm just looking up. It's like they're linebackers. All right. Well, so they got Danico. Let me sort this. Danico Autry. Autry. I got it. Al Woods, uh, Danico Autry, Jabal Sheard. I forgot they got him. Yeah, they got Jabal. Uh, John Simon. Damn. And Najee Good. Yo, they're linebackers. Yeah, Rakeem Nunez such Rochas. Trash. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's just a lot of Al Woods there as a D tackle. Yeah, they might have the worst roster. That's good. I think the Cardinals have a better roster than them. I, I would agree so, too. I don't think they're going to win as many games because if Andrew Luck's healthy, he's yeah. the great eraser. And they just lost their center, uh, AQ Shipley. You know, all yeah. right. So, so the Colts are a team that you could see trading for. Yeah, them. definitely. Because there's just no difference maker there. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. The, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the Buffalo Bills got nothing coming off nothing. the edge. You know, uh, Jerry Hughes is up there in age. Shaq Lawson's been unimpressive to this point. That's yeah, Trent Murphy. Right. Yeah, they got nothing. They got nothing. Now, the third team is interesting, and they have money. and all, Like the 49ers. If the, if the 49ers, if you're, don't, if you're going, man, we don't have a difference maker on our front seven other than Reuben Foster. Right. And I think they got a lot of good. Yeah, because you they look at their team, Auric Armstead, and right. I know they love DeForest Buckner, yeah. Solomon Thomas. They're all super solid, but they don't have the guy to get the quarterback. No, they don't have just the one. Why are you laughing? <laughs> just, I just thought it was funny. Uh, one, they just don't have that one super freak uh, right. to come up. And, and that could be Khalil. It could be Khalil. And he's and they already have the in the Bay. Pay, and he's already in the Bay. But would the Oakland, even for the right price, would they really trade oh. their biggest star across the Bay and then have him watch the star? They're, they're going to Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, you're right. But it's two years, and they still might have to hear about it. And then if Kyle Shannon and the 49ers out, start outperforming him, then oh, they're just yeah. going to add it on double. Yeah, and John ain't going to like that. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I mean, John, John doesn't want to get shown up by one of his disciples his first year out here. That's right. You it know? is his child. Right. So that that would be something to watch Your out for. Your gut says, though, that Mac's not going anywhere. I, I do, yes. I think this is all a move because I'm sure uh, defensive players love playing for the Raiders. It's the Raiders. It's, man, I'm mean, bad, and they let me do whatever I want because it's the Davis family, yeah, and they don't yeah. care about bending the rule. So there is something to that. It's a, it's a negotiating tool. It's a negotiating tool. They're just trying to chop a few million dollars off of a if guarantee. If you were the Green Bay Packers, what would it take to trade Aaron Rodgers? Oh. For at, you. Yeah. Not, not like what you think people would give you. What would it take for you to trade Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> like if somebody offered you two first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers. No. I wouldn't do it. Three first-round picks. Sims. I mean, hey, you know, again. Sims. But no, but again, this is where you're, you're, like, you're acting like first-round picks or some slam dunk or I something. I get it, but three? Well, I don't know. I'm the Green Bay Packers right now, and damn, when Aaron Rodgers is not there, we're 6-10, and ten, and when four. he's there. Four. And when he's there. Four I mean, of course, I'd probably, do it. I'd probably <laughs> do it for three. But I would have a hard time. I'm telling of you, at course. this point, yeah, I, I don't know if it'd be worth Look, it. Look, I every, don't think there's every anything time worth it. there is a trade for picks, the the NFL online community always calls a team that gets the picks the winner. Always. Look at all the picks the Browns got for Carson Wentz. None of those picks have turned into anything. Yeah. You look at the trade now, it's like Sean Coleman and Corey Coleman and all these guys that are like not even on the team anymore. Right. The Eagles won in a landslide yeah. because you're trading for the, the, the real commodity instead of the 10 different then, uh, roulette we, then we hope our, our Yes, we hope our evaluation staff can really yes. hit everything right here for the draft the next three years. Of and those that's first a crapshoot. It's the one thing that Belichick's not good at in the NFL. So you think you're going to be good at it? I, you're crazy. 
amazing. I agree. Oh, the Seahawks were the best drafters and then go on a draft drought for like three to four years. Exactly. Like, I'm telling you, that one Saints draft with Kamara and the offensive lineman. Yeah, Ramchek. Yeah, all those guys. Right. They're going to be called geniuses for the next three years, yeah. and I'm guaranteeing you that their next two drafts, maybe not, I don't know about this draft, but they're going to have drafts where there's complete duds. Yeah, Because sure. it's a crapshoot. Yes, it is. It's, there's just t- too many variables, and you can't always expect to hit right. And, you know, you might have guys that you go, damn, this if we get one of these seven guys at pick 17, we're, great. we're awesome. Oh, shit, all seven are off the board? Yeah. That'll change everything. So, yeah, it's just too unpredictable at that point. Um, and, yes, I think Khalil Mack stays there. I mean, Khalil Mack is the – I guess it's him and Derek Carr, the face of the Raiders, right? I mean, I yeah, would Amari Yeah, Cooper. That's like the trio. Right. And I would argue maybe Khalil Mack is the face more than anybody right now. Derek Carr is the you face. You think he's more – Do we know which reporter put out the Khalil Mack trade rumors? Uh, was it Rappaport? No. So it actually started like this. One reporter was making like a Bleach Report type article where it's like the, the, the player that I see could get traded. And he said Khalil Mack, but then like the team really didn't denounce it. Gotcha. You know, like they didn't really come out and go, no, no, no. I just want to pay and attention then, to the news now you know what? where yeah. it's coming from. There was another story in which an NFC person said that he believed that Khalil Mack was open on the market. Yeah, give me a little Roto World. Who's, uh, who's the I'm source looking, on I'm that? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Khalil Mack, uh, trade odds increasing every day, says NFC executive. Who's the reporter? Uh, Oh, man. Give it to me. Bleacher Report's Mike Freeman. Freeman. Uh, Love Mike Freeman. Great guy. All right, so I have nothing else except Bridgewater might be traded. Did you have any places where Bridgewater would be interesting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bridgewater, there is some places out there that make sense. I mean, first of all. Already, even though we don't have the injuries. Well, yeah, exactly right. Well, and it's, it's 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 a mute point. Moot. Moot. It is moot. You, you kind of have fun. I did. It's a moot point until he plays games and everybody can see him. You're so right. It doesn't really like matter. Like RG3. Oh, now it's interesting. Oh, hello. And not only that, it's we got all these games on Thursday night. We're going to try and find a bar here in California. I need to watch Davis Webb. I need to watch Saquon Barkley. Yeah, if we have any... Uh, I need to see Deshaun Watson. If any of the homies are in L.A. and want to come watch some games, we'll say what bar we're going to be at. Well, we're going to be, what, in Newport well, we got to figure Beach? out where we're going Yeah, first, we'll be right? in Newport Beach. It's also going to be 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know if people work here or <laughs> if they're just going to be out of work watching Dude, the games. It is weird watching sports in California. You, you've it, proclaimed uh, that you would hate it. I have, I have a lot of issues with this. Yeah, I'm not into it. It throws so, you off. It throws I, me off. I'm just. Well, yeah. I don't work normal hours, so for me, I'd be like football at four o'clock. Okay, yeah. great. It, I, it, there is some good. There is some bad. I, I did enjoy my mountain time living in Denver and being like, man, sun, you know, Monday night football. It's six thirty and it's coming on yeah. TV and it's going to be on, done at nine thirty. That was amazing. Yeah. Like, um, Bridgewater. I'm going to throw you four teams real quick, okay? Because I know we're almost done. Team number four. Team. Well, I mean the Bucks. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The house that Chris Sims built. Jameis Winston. <laughs> What's his issue? Right. It's gross. I Is Ryan Fitzpatrick the future? We know the answer to that question. Teddy and Tampa? We'll see. Exactly. I mean, uh, the other the other three. Number class, three. The other places I have are all as backups, like for Number sure. Number three. But, okay, the Dolphins? Miami Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill. Quarterback, wide receiver, nobody knows. All I know Teddy, he's from Miami. He could fit in real nice swimming with the Dolphins. I mean, I just don't know. The, to me, that that is when pull up their roster real quick. Their backup quarterbacks. Well, Matt I know what. Well, it's it's Brock Osweiler. Oh yeah, so, sexy. Uh, and it's the other guy that's from San Jose. I can't think of. Yes, his. it is the one, the only David Fails. David Fails and Bryce Petty. So okay, so you're Adam Gase. And yeah, you're going. If you're, I lose Ryan Tannehill, who I've lost 
the last two years. And I'm not already sure on. Right. Yeah. I mean, he lost him all year last year. The year before, he leaves him. I don't know, man. Brock the Osweiler came out and said he was having an amazing training. Gosh. Game. So I would scare the crap out of me. Okay. <laughs> Number two. Number two. Two, two, two. Two, two. If I'm the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers, you have Cam Newton. Guess what? You lost your center. You lost your tackle. The rush could be coming, and then you're relying on Derek. Oh, no. He's no longer there, Anderson. Right. Who's their backup quarterback? Pull up the teams. It's Garrett Gilbert. Right. Yes. Right. Name the rest of the names there. Taylor Heineke. Right. And Kyle Allen. Taylor Henke, right? Henke, Who are right. these people? Who are they? Not as good as Teddy Bridgewater. Exactly. And that's why they're on this Garrett list. Garrett Gilbert or Garrett Grayson? No, Garrett Gilbert from Texas who okay. transferred to SMU. Remember Garrett Gilbert was oh, the guy that yeah. came out of the Alabama yes. National Championship yep. game and played okay as a freshman yep. and then got progressively worse from there. All right. Um, and the number one team that Teddy Bridgewater could be traded to is? I mean. I mean. I mean is a team that I've never heard. Okay, I mean this is a team that we know can go to the Super Bowl. <gasps> And they have a questionable starting quarterback. Oh, oh my God. Man. The most talented starting lineup in the NFL is led by a guy that admits he's not as bad as you think, but he's still bad. <laughs> he could be coming in over Cody Kessler, the 71st quarterback, or Tanner Lee, right. a wide receiver hybrid from the University of Nebraska. Who everybody already said is the most talented guy they got but down But you know there. They're, they're not going to bring in Teddy Bridgewater because he's going to be better than Blake Bortles, and they're not not going to bring him. Teddy probably. Bridgewater brings the Jaguars to the Super Bowl, right? I, I do think so. Right, a let's healthy get this Teddy in Bridgewater. Right now. A healthy Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, before we get to John David Washington, oh my God, I believe, yes, that's him. Yep. That's the lead writer for Gridiron Heights. Dennis Flynn? Dennis Whoa! Flynn. Wow. <laughs> wow. Celebrities here in the San Jose airport. Uh, this is why you come to the access point. God, it's yeah. an access it's, point for stars. It's like Hollywood. We were talking about the athleticism of Moss versus Terrell Owens. My good friend Dan said, Said, who do you think was a better basketball player? And you said Moss. Right. You said Moss had great hand eye. He could shoot threes. T.O.'s going to like bunch through you, kind of like bowl you over. Right. Randy Moss is a better athlete. And you said Randy Moss could throw the ball. Josh jokingly said, could Randy Moss in his prime as quarterback lead the Jaguars to the Super Bowl? <laughs> and you said. I was like, uh, I mean, if he taught him some things, certainly he probably could. You believe that Randy Moss in his prime could throw the ball better than Blake Bortles? I, I think if Ran Randy Moss has more <laughs> pure potential to be the greater thrower, that's what I'll say. So if we started, okay. that's incredible. That's a good way the to put pure that. potential to throw it better. Like, I'm just saying if, if Blake Bortles and Randy Moss came to my house at the age of 18 – and they and Phil Sims, Chris Sims, and Matt Sims went out in the field with them, and we went through a week of work. We're going to get them both better, but we're going to go, man, this Randy Moss can really throw it. I mean, he is one of the greatest athletes of all time. I know. And we're talking about one of the worst throwing starting quarterbacks of all time. Of all time? Who else is up there all time? I, I don't even know. I mean, he's the Peyton in the final year. No. Uh, yeah, well, at the end of the yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, the Peyton of the final year was horrible. Oh, my gosh. Is that Bleacher Report producer, Nicole <laughs> Peterson? Wow, the stars are out at Access points. I don't know, so but This Sam, is why you come I mean, to the San Jose Airport. Well, keep going, though. Yeah. Like, so Randy Moss, more potential at quarterback than Blake Portals. Randy Moss had a special arm. I mean, he could sling it. He really could. I bet you Randy Moss in his prime could throw the ball 70, 75 yards wow. in the air. Yeah. He's so flexible. His hands are gigantic. Uh, and like I said, I always used to play that game with him. He can throw it. Mm. He can. I know that sounds like I'm taking another shot at Blake Bortles and whatever, but, I mean, whatever. Whatever. 
He's not apologizing. He's just saying it's not personal. No, I'm just saying it's, it's a very hypothetical thing to say. But either way, what I'm telling you is, yes, his potential to me would be greater. Yes. That's All right, awesome. we got to board a plane in 25 minutes. My dad just texted and said he's ready if you want to call him. Let's do five minutes. All right, let me try and plug it in. Well, can you? Is it not going to work? It's it's questionable. And right. I would say it's not going to work. Also, Deirdre just DM'd us on the podcast Instagram, yeah. and your dad was with her talking about you missing your flight. So I think he was just ducking us. Oh, he could have been. Or he yeah. might have just not looked at his phone. We're going to tape. Uh, maybe we'll do another podcast tomorrow. We'll call him tomorrow. Yeah, we'll do okay. like some short And I'll get this. Calls. Yeah, yeah so we got, guys, we don't know how many we're going to do this week. We're kind of going all over the place. But follow our social accounts at Sims and Lefko. We'll update you on if we're going to be doing another one and all that stuff. If you subscribe to the podcast, thank you so much. Share it with your friends. Give us some, some good ratings for iTunes. It always helps. And again, unsubscribe, resubscribe. It's really good for us. I believe we went to the tops of the google charts this week which is super exciting what yeah google play charts right shout out to all the google play users all that we went to the top of those charts wow which is cool awesome we're not worried about it sims it's our head down it's training camp keep season. grinding 110 percent one right. game at a time yeah left foot in front of the right foot chop wood as my old friend greg shiano used to say Pound the rock that's as my old friend john gruden used yep. to say that's stop, how you get to stop. the insight bowl in 2006 <laughs> against rudy carpenter in arizona state you chop nice. wood all right <laughs> stop eating everybody's food as my mom would say all right so now an interview with john david washington one of the main actors in black klansman a spike lee film we talk about everything from his dad's movies to the relationship between phil sims and denzel washington and at the end we pretty much were saying that he supports white people more than we do and he was like you guys are freaking crazy (laughs) so hope you guys enjoy it uh we're going to continue our road trip weirdest podcast i ever did and we uh that's it from the San Jose Airport outside of Access Point. This is my fake broadcaster voice. And that was Sims Lefko for Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good, good, evening. Evening. good evening. And for the Elliot. I, I get to do that when I'm here. Yeah, you did. Fine, let's try it again. Good for evening. Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good, good evening. E- good evening. Oh, oh, sorry, oh, oh. One more time. Just end the podcast. <laughs> One more time. It's over. <laughs> for Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good evening. <laughs> And the LEF, KOE. Man. Well, holla, 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 And it. You guys let me know when we're rolling. And if we are, we'll just keep all this in. What's up? Yeah, just go, whatever, you can just hit record. We're just going to go. I'm not going to introduce it. All parts are recording. He should just walk out of camp. Oh, Odell? Yeah, he should just be like, all right, see you. All right, we're going to get to the. He's already there. I know. He's well, just he's leaving. Well, he can't. He can leave. Really? Not, yeah. Wait, has that happened before? Uh, no. I mean, there's more. There's going to be more consequences to it, right? right? Because now they'll have the power to basically be like, oh, no, he left camp, and they'd be able to put him on, like, the NFI. But then uh, the non-football injury list or okay. whatever, they'll put something like that. Uh-huh. But what he then what he has to do is he stays and then he just has he's to got to hold in. He has to have a tight hamstring, tight hamstring every day. So it's when you go there and you can't run, right, you don't right. feel that. Oh, great. my hammy's tight. I can't yeah. play today. He's going to have to do that. Wow. All right. So hold on. So you play on. We're going to get to Black Klansman, right. John David Washington, and and of course, but you play Ricky Jarrett, which is kind of a diva wide receiver and ballers. Oh, diva. <laughs> diva. If you're Whoa. a receiver, you're a diva, John Whoa. David. Sorry. He's, yeah, I would he's, say he's, that he's you're a self-aware diva. In the show, you had a history of diva, but you go, I don't want to be that anymore. Like, I feel like that's your struggle all well, the time. He's sensitive. Yeah. And not and not in like necessarily a weak way, but he just feels everything. You right. love 
this character. Who does? You do. Well, it is therapeutic. Yeah. You know, because I'm like polar opposite of this dude. So like, it is kind of therapeutic to to be able to explore this guy and what he the, this crazy stuff that he does. So when you play a wide receiver, then do you look at Odell Beckham and can you see the character that he is? Uh, well, I mean, I just was able to collect a, a wealth of experiences of all different positions of, the, of throughout the years and just kind of combine it. You know, to me, it's about sharing the experience with the people that don't understand, that don't sure. know the perspective of the athlete. Right. Who you were know? the wide receivers yeah, you, you surveyed? Yeah, what was your compilation? I thought you were a little Jarvis Landry, yeah. but that's only because you were in Miami, so right, I put right. that together. Yeah. But I saw uh, maybe a little Antonio Brown in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was Steve, Steve Smith, Jerry Rice, a lot of the greats, but just uh, like Randall Cunningham. He's, he's the reason I wanted to play football. Mm. I never seen anybody that looked like me at that position do what he did. I feel like he sort of revolutionized the, the position a little yeah. bit. Are you and Eagles fan? Because I, I, he, he's the Eagles, Eagles fan. Are you really? Oh my yeah. God, what? Are you serious? Did we I brought him best friends. I brought it. We were already best friends. Now we're besties. I had a. I brought a Brian Dawkins shirt. Did you oh. watch the Hall of Fame? No, I, yeah, I missed it. I see some of this. I see how he came out, though, like the Wolverine style. Oh my style. God. Yeah, I saw that, though. That was cool. So uh, our man here uh, actually has the single game record at Morehouse, 242 rushing yards. Is it still yards. standing? I thought that got, that's not broken. Oh, on the internet it says it's still standing. Well, and the internet never lies. And career, nearly 3,700 rushing yards. Pretty so impressive. So a man could tote the rock. I did alright. I did alright. Yeah. Well, uh, your dad, I mean, I gotta ask you about him first of all. Alright, first of all, the thing is... Like His dad is Denzel Washington. related to... I, yeah, the hell with him. I like the top button. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Top oh, button swag. Hello, top button swag. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He gets so much shit yeah. for the top button. How you doing? Why? I know. What? Well, because... From a bunch of corny white people who don't know style. <laughs> it's not really true. that big of an it's issue. Don't worry. White got to be white, boy. just be people. <laughs> because yeah. they're typically the people Seems that say something. Seems to be the white guys that say it. Sorry. They have more problems with other people. Yes. All right. So, but your love of football growing up. I mean, was dad the type of guy that had football on Sundays and right. you were sitting there and that's that's how it happened. Yeah, that my pops, uncle, my my uncle Rick, on uh, he lives in North Carolina. He loved the Green Bay Packers, Packers and the Celtics. He was a big Larry Bird fan. Right. So uh, yeah, it was always sports, but football. Yes, football uh, Sundays. And what about dad? Who's dad's squad? The Dallas Cowboys. He's the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, oh, Cowboys. What? So Thanksgivings were serious <laughs> what? at the house. Yeah, you got Eagles, so he's Cowboys, Lakers, right. Packers, all in the same all, house. Yes, yeah, all NFC. We're keeping the NFC. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> I realized uh, earlier this morning that you. You two have experienced opposite interactions your entire lives. Okay? Yes. Right. John David, people have come up to him his entire life and they go, is your dad really that cool? And Chris, your entire right. life, people have come to you and go, is your dad really that corny? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Phil, Phil Sims. Because yeah. Phil Sims uh, is character. Is all, yeah. I uh, feel like you guys have had opposite interactions. Well, we definitely, life. I'm Impression. sure he could speak to this because his father is in a whole nother stratosphere of superstar than Phil Sims. Let's get serious here, okay? Because oh, King no. Kong ain't got <laughs> nothing on him! Okay? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I did recognize that early on. That he, yeah. he, I mean, every, I was Phil's son. That's yeah. I wasn't even Chris until I started to like, make every a name. Every game, you right. pressure was like... Well, blue. yeah, I didn't look at it as pressure. I almost looked at it as a, a chance to show off because I knew I was good and I was there like, oh, go. these people want to come here and you want to see what Phil Sims' son got? I'm going to show them what I got. That's exactly how There's I seven three-pointers later. Eat that crap. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No so, doubt. Yeah, yeah, you you were able to embrace it. Is that, That's where I was kind of well, going with it. Yeah, well, I, I, I sort of used it as this sort of like rebellious quest of independence. You know what I mean? And I was like, like to your point of I'll show you. Yeah. You know, my, my father can't help me on the field. In fact, it, it would hurt me. They would be more motivated to try to hurt exactly. his son. Yeah. So, your dad's movie sucks. Right, right. 
Actually, you. no. Believe it or not, they would compliment they the would movie. Be. <laughs> so, like, and tell was, you, you uh, suck? Yeah, yeah, like me. Like, yeah. I still got to kill you, but, yo, training, that's my movie. <laughs> that's like, awesome. Crazy. Like, just got a first down. What are you doing? Man? That's awesome. So, yeah, so it was a great a great motivator. I think it's what got me over playing with broken ribs, you know, torn meniscus, and you know, a clavicle, a couple of concussions. So that motivation to be like my own man and right. making it on my, my own was was that was a part of that fueled it? Yeah, yeah. yeah certainly. Yeah. You did. You were under at the free agent with the Rams. Yeah. You played with the Rhine Fire. Oh, like, yeah, I, yeah. I loved NFL Europe. I loved it too, mainly man. because when I would play Madden, there were these six that? other teams. The other, you remember? Yo, yes. I don't want to date ourselves, but like, yeah, that was like because <laughs> the worst thing ninety five. What, what year was that? Ninety five? I don't know. I think I that, somewhere in that, there. It was like that. Yeah, I yeah. remember it on on Sega Genesis. The worst thing I'm talking about, even on like the lower, like the early two thousands, the worst thing would be when you'd random the teams uh-huh. and they would get Packers and you'd get like the Frankfurt Frank, whatever yeah, yeah. Frankfurt Galaxy so wh- what was yeah. what was the NFL Europe like uh Alice Kla it was uh it was a great learning experience both socially and as far as the game was concerned uh they they loved us out there um, really? Yeah. yeah. We had good times. Good, clean family fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Because your eyes only got like an inch or two wider when you said socially. Yeah, socially. Well, because that's what does that mean? I've always that means heard. food. Yes. That means the culture, concerts. I get you. Concerts. Wiener schnitzels. But know? that's where you had a lot of fun, though. Because I've heard yeah. that from a lot of like yeah, ex-players uh, and stuff. That, you know, yeah, playing there was great. Getting that experience. But being able to live, live there. Some guys didn't go back. Right. They just Some stayed. Some guys stayed there and started a family. Right. Yeah, so. Dude, I read about this guy that what they, they flew him out to Italy and he was like the only NFL player that went to Italy and he was just a legend he's like why would I leave like wow. my family's in Italy <laughs> we always hear about NBA players going abroad right, but right. that was I, I would like to see like the NFL expand again internationally and get these supplemental leagues going over there and where is the awareness of the, of the nature of the game and the purity of it yeah. and you can start that foundationally out there I think with a new whole new audience All right, I mean me... German, I just want real quick yeah. German, yeah. German fans they're like organized chaos right like just like soccer their football right. they stand and there was a section that stood up the whole game and chanted in unison. It was great. Yeah. You know? Damn. Yeah. Do you have any good Ryan Fire stories for me? Like craziness? Like None that I can share with y'all. <laughs> and, and I don't even need it to be the party one. More like, oh. you know how like there's a team and it's coming together and it's like kind of haphazard. Like what was it? Organized chaos? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we would meet. We lived in the hotels. We met in the hotels. Uh, that was where the meetings were. We were at the conference rooms or whatever. Yeah. So that was our lives, the hotels. But uh we had a lot of time off too. They were like, "Well, we we got the meetings done. See you later. See you Damn. tomorrow." So you know, there was a lot of freedom to get in trouble. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, well, that's not like the NFL. No. It's, well, yeah, well, but but that's what you do. You get the free time, the free and time. that's where the young players always struggle because they're like, "Man, in college, I had to go, go to do a study and, study right, hall and right, all that stuff." Right. You got all right. more money and more time. Exactly, yeah. which is a dangerous combination yeah. when you're 23 and 24 years right. old. You, right. um, all right. I mean, of course, sports was your love, but you always kind of kept like acting in the back of your mind, knowing I, I didn't realize that was you and Malcolm X as oh, a little boy. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, I did yeah, not yeah. realize that. I That's unbelievable. Yeah, I, was, no, I was six years old, man. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I, like I said before, too, this positive rebellion. So that that meant I had to sort of bury my true passion and love which was acting yeah. you know i saw my father do shakespeare in the park when i was four years old and uh i, I loved it then and in the movie glory i knew every line of every actor in that movie and that's what, what i wanted to do but in his ascension in, in the business I, he was starting to get more popular more recognized and sort of this 
getting put on this sort of pedestal. When did it go to the next level in your da- in your life where in you were house, like, yeah. honestly, is it like Philadelphia? When is it? Uh-huh. When does it go Actually, next level like for your shout dad? Out to Spike Lee. I mean, Malcolm X sort of changed our lives. That changed your life. I mean, security yeah. was necessary. There was some death threats going on. So, right. but even how I was getting treated, like I, I, I would. So some of that resentment and anxiety I got from different treatment from other people i i sort of funneled that and, and used it as gasoline or fuel i should say into football but the whole time i was bearing what i really wanted to look really wanted to do but my parents are like artists like my mom went to juilliard a classically trained pianist taught lessons at 11 years old 12 mm. years old so they were all about process right the art of it the craft the arts and crafts mm. of it all you know and that's what i fell in love with not the the result i mean it doesn't mean you're going to be famous or anything but that's not what we were about yeah that's not what they were about and uh, and so that kind of that kind of shifted when the, the popularity started happening, right. started rising. Damn. So this movie, Black Klansman, you are Ron Stallworth, yeah. the first black detective in the history of the Colorado Springs Police Department yeah. who outwitted David Duke with only a high school diploma. <laughs> uh, you're reading this character. Did you fall in love with it right away? Yeah. Tell us like the backdrop of the story a little sure. bit, just for the people listening and everything. Sure. I got a, I got a text. I was on location doing another film in Cincinnati. Shout out to Cincinnati, too. Great food. Um, and uh, I got a text message from Spike Lee, like, yo, this Spike call me. I'm like, is this, is this, I, I don't talk to Spike The real on the phone. Spike Lee? Yeah, like, but I got I to investigate, like, just in case it is. So I, I kill, like, hello? Yo, John. He calls me John. I'm like, my name is John Dave, but I ain't going to correct Spike. Yeah. Uh, John, so I got this uh, black, this black detective. In Col- he talked like real uh, in Colorado Springs. Takes down the Klan. The Klan. <laughs> Where you stand? <laughs> I'm like, so I'm, in my head, I'm like, all right, that's the elevator person. I'm like, man, this is like Dave Chappelle, right? This is something. <laughs> and uh, he's like a real book. So he sends me the book. I read it. I call him back, like, just like on cloud nine. Like, yeah. I'm just over the, through the roof. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Are you serious right now? What are we doing? He's like, all right, bet. See you this summer. So that's how I got the job. Damn. And, uh, you know, just a story like this, when it, it, it can only be told by Spike Lee with Jordan Peele as well producing. And, and it was just, I couldn't believe it. And so, like, the book is way more detailed than the movie, but but the fact that this happened in our own backyard, it's an incredible, a, incredible true story. Uh, I mean, I got to ask a few more, like, about Spike. I mean, Spike, I look at Spike and almost think, like, okay, well, we talk about Bill Belichick and right. all the great things he does in the mm, world of yes, football and comparison. how he goes along his process. What was it like? What's Spike Lee as the coach of a movie? Right, right. Is he like hypercritical? Is he cool? Does he let you find your own way? What, what, what's his process? Sort of all of the above. Like you'll catch some heat. Everybody, somebody will catch heat on set one day. Yeah. You, but you got to get over it. You know, you got to, you got to, you got to have thick skin because it's all in service of the film. It's about the team concept. Never have I been on a set quite like this where everybody wanted to be there, seemingly want, seemed to be want, wanted to be there right. in service of the film to the best of their abilities. And the freedom I had. I mean, he trusted me. This legend, right? Yeah. Trusted me with this material, meaning he didn't, I didn't really get any notes. Like, you know, we do blocking stuff and positioning and camera stuff, a couple of adjustments. He would he would cut down what he didn't like, but he, he told me to trust your instincts, John David. Trust your instincts. You got this. It was great. So this legend yelling action and cut trusted me with the information with this, with this project. I've never, it was such a liberating experience because 
it's not always like that on set. Sometimes they got you in a box. Yeah. So, so yeah. And, and expound on that. Expound? Is that the word? Expand? <laughs> Just expand? I feel like <laughs> I make up words. You got to watch out. But no. But, elaborate. But yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I guess uh, like when you say freedom too, I mean, okay, so you got your lines to the movie and he basically just says he, he doesn't hold you to the letter of the law of every line right. does he just let you kind of right. I mean there was so much ad-libbing going on right. I think he's a master at, at recognizing energy and momentum right. like a lot of these great coaches sometimes when Phil doesn't call a timeout yeah. let them figure it out yeah. right. you know like that's that's you gotta have confidence in your system and yourself and then the people that you brought on the team Right. so his confidence is in Oh, I know who I picked. I know I picked the right guy. Topher, he's the right guy. Adam, he's the right guy. Laura's the right woman. So that's where the confidence is. So he lets you do your thing. Right. Now, we had discussions. And if, if we go way left, we'll, we'll bring it back. Right. But never, I never heard him once say, can you try this way? Can you be funnier? Can you be? Those, those generic notes sometimes are very frustrating as an artist because mm. of that word. Yeah, generic. it's very generic. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but like in this case, with this story too, I mean, when he gave me that kind of trust, it just... The confidence was just soaring, was just soaring through the roof. That's awesome. So it was, you know, it was just a flare, very fluid experience. Expound yeah. does play. Expound does play. It does yeah. play there. Express in a lot of detail. Okay, just good. Like, good. Like I wasn't sure. Yeah. We have one. <laughs> I've been told to use it less. Oh, damn. I, my, so you go through, and what's interesting is I've I've now heard your your father speak numerous times about his disdain for social media, mm-hmm. and. It's funny because you were talking before about how they're artists, and now I hear you speaking about the craft. Mm. And I think it's very funny that a lot of people in our society look past the craft and they look at the celebration and they go, I want the celebration, but they're not, they don't see the process. And part of the reason we love Bill Belichick and, and, you know, a lot of the great coaches in the NFL is it's all about the process. And then when the celebration happens, they go, this is a result of that. But a lot of people just want to lift the trophy. Are those worlds similar have you been able to bring football into acting? Oh, or absolutely. Is, yeah? Absolutely. I mean, pr- preparation, sometimes superstition, you know, like same clothes, the same song. You know, so if you had a great acting day, you're wearing the same underwear <laughs> not, the next day. Not, not that, okay. but I'm definitely going. I'm definitely keep like I keep my uncle's car wash uh, bracelet on me. Always. Nice. Like, right. I, yeah, this. So it's dealing with criticism. I'm sure that's oh, where football that's, help. Right? Yeah, you Big must time. be great at that. Well, like, listen, I would run for 242 and a touchdown or two touchdowns, and as Denzel's son ran for it. Yeah, you know right. I mean? Damn, Denzel's right. son makes the NFL. Denzel's son makes the All Star game. Yes. So. I, you know, I, I, that kind of criticism or that kind of critiquing, I'm just... I, I, You're numb to it. I'm well, impervious yeah, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Black Klansman, you are on set. You said that Spike Lee gives everybody one. One was the day that he gave it to you. <laughs> I think the... I think it was the second. It was the fourth day. Okay, but he did it in in not a way you would expect. So we it was it was I was kind of nervous that day. We had already been shooting a week, but it was like it was the most lines I've said from the script that mm-hmm. day. So I was a little nervous. So I, we we do it a couple times. He walks over, and he's not looking at me. He's like like if you're me, I'm Spike. He's like this. <laughs> so we're gonna bring the camera this way. You're gonna walk over and say it. Put some bass in your voice. <laughs> I was like, yo, <laughs> say what you chest. Yeah, right. Like, yo, say like, put some. I love that, and I, I cracked up, and I was off to the races, man. I was, that was dope. So, so that's my version of like handing it to me, because like, right. I, like, like, man up a little bit. Like, he, or he could tell again. He just understands. And he didn't even look energy. at you. Either. He didn't even. That's the cold part. Yeah. He didn't even look. It was great though. Again, that Phil Jackson. Yes. You know, Jedi mind trick. Yes. I was like, oh yeah, right. Let me get my stuff together, and it was great. Yeah, because it's not about coming at you. It's about bringing the best out of you. Right. Well, so, he just knows how to knowing how to communicate with your personnel uh, now some people do need to just that kick and you know you gotta, you yeah. gotta yell at them others you need to 
you know, talk to him the way you talk to him. So. Damn. You, you um, I, I want to hear. Spike. Yeah, I want to hear the, the, what more about the movie itself too. Just okay. as a, just so, a, you want to know the concept, yeah, of the, the basic movie. concept, just to hear it because like I've seen a few commercials here and there, yeah, yeah. and I know the basic, but I want to hear that. Your, yeah, I want to hear that. your. Yeah. I want to hear you now. Well, he doesn't. Okay, right. he doesn't. Ron never changed his voice. So if he was sitting here talking to you, that's how he was talking to the Klansmen, right? Which makes them even more like, how dare you be so civilized yeah, and calm? Right. Exactly. I mean, David right. Duke talked about like like black people to say. Aura. Like it's there's a whole bunch of stuff in the film that you'll have to see, but just diction and cadence like is dictated by the white man. It, it, yeah. it, it's it's good old fashioned American hate. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And how we see how organized it is in the forms of these organizations of the Ku Klux Klan and seeing how generational it is. We're you seeing know? it right now. Well, I was, he ties that all in, in the, into the film as well. I yeah. mean, the Klan has had resurgences They from uh, Birth of a Nation, which played in the, um, the White House. Yeah. Then David Duke putting this nice neighborly white man who speaks you know these racial slurs right so and then charlottesville virginia now so all that's incorporated in the film now he's not hitting you over the head though with messages like messages it's not it's package and delivery is one of an entertainment capacity it's something you can enjoy you're almost reluctant or apprehensive to laugh like i don't even know why i'm laughing at that but it's you're laughing at how ridiculous it is in these performances that he's getting out of the actors and the fact that the base the backbone the spine of this film is a true story yeah we're Mm. standing on history here Right. So uh, it's it's such a unique film, one that uh, I'm proud to be a part of. I watch a lot of films, and I must say, I, I, even if I wasn't in it, I'd be, be I'm, I'm going to see this. Yeah, I'm, you're I'm the detective it, that kind of finds out all the inner workings of the yeah, Ku Klux Klan. Like the, the handshake, the like he he was monitoring the the Klan. Uh, that was that was the mission. It was a sting operation. Mm-hmm. So he he conducted he started the operation over the phone, and uh, he just started spitting these crazy racial slurs out. And hate was like, oh, yeah, we like you. You speak in our language. I mean, what you're seeing in this film, I mean, with all the harsh language, um, it's purposeful. And you're seeing this lexicon of hate, mm. you know, and it's sort of how, you know, some people, people speak French, bilingual. There's yeah. a hate language. And uh, and you, it's really displayed in this film throughout. And you're seeing, again, how generational it is. Some of these trigger words are still being used today. And we're also seeing, like, how people feel and talk at their family barbecue, mm-hmm. at, you know, at the local bowling alley. Sure. Yeah. This is how people feel and think in this country for years. Yep. That's what I was thinking when you were talking about, Spike, just letting people ad-lib. That's the only way you really get natural speech. I agree. You know, because I think... Well, natural performance, Yes. Too. I mean, when you, like, you got to do your prep work to earn that. Of course. And But when you're in it, like some of the best stuff you can't plan for. I mean, if, if I got an outside zone to the right and there's 300 pound uh, lineman that's in the way, I'm a, I'm a, I got to cut. I got to yeah. cut back. And that might be the touchdown. I'm not going to just run into the guy. Right. So a lot of times, again, talking about what I got from football, right. you got to be able to, to acquiesce. You got to be able to, to, to work with and just feel it out. And that environment must be created by your coach, that freedom to do that. Spike Lee afforded us that freedom in such a major way. Did you see any acting chops thus far on Ballers? Have any of the NFL players impressed you with their abilities? Oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, you don't have Steven to Jackson in yeah. The Pilot. Sure. He's talking about an elephant that he bought. Yeah, I got to go back. There was a, there, uh, uh, he talks about it. And that was ad-lib. That, again, Pete Berg. Who directed the pilot? He did uh, Friday Night Lights. I right. Yeah, we had him here before. Yo, he was did you really awesome. know? He is the man. He's, he's funny as well. Again, one of those coaches you love yes. to play yeah, for. Definitely. I love Pete Berg, man. Definitely. He was just like shouting us to talk about your elephant you bought. <laughs> and Steve was going with it. Steve Jackson was going with it. He was right there with us. It was great. Yeah, uh, Pete yeah. is the fucking man. We had he a great is, time. He was cool as hell. Yeah, we could have hung with Pete and yeah, just had a good right. time. Yeah. Um, does your dad 
call when you're in the middle of the movie? Do you ever call, ask for, hey, dad, I got this scene, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I know I wasn't above that yeah. as far as when I was playing. Or he might call me and be like, Christopher, that <laughs> Julius Peppers is big. Make sure you step up in the oh, pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. I, I, uh, yeah, he, we, he talked about working with Spike and his experiences, but I've been listening to his stories for years, anyway, even before this. Right. And love when he talks about, uh, you know, sometimes he says the same story and the, the kind of alternate versions. But uh, Yeah, yeah. But that's it's every, all, that's it's, what dad right? like, You said 78, now it's 82. Like, which, oh, yeah. you know, like getting the date wrong or whatever. But yeah, I ask him all the time. My, my mom, too, though. Because she remembers, well, I remember Denzel when, it, you know, so. Yes. So it's just getting that wealth of information. All right. And last one for me, because I know you got a life and you have better things to do than the Sims and Left Go podcast. It's uh, a good time. I am, I am interested in this. I want to know what your what's your what's your favorite movie of your dad's, and then what's the movie you believe he acted best in, which is like his best performance, and then what's your movie that you go? Damn, what was Phil Simms' was best a, performance? Uh, Super Bowl twenty one. He was twenty two of twenty five <laughs> for two hundred sixty nine. Wow, three TDs. Oh, look at him. Eighty eight point one percent. You have no idea. I can't do like I don't have it on command. I'm gonna say virtuosity. No, I'm just kidding. I, it was, uh, I, I like, come on. Like, you come had on. me going. Virtuosity. No, I. I uh, uh, I mean, I, I love. There's so many good ones. Crimson I know. Tide, man on fire. Oh man, Crimson Tide. He was coaching me. Yeah. I was me, Sunshine. You didn't know that? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're thinking yeah. of. Uh, you're thinking of the oh, I'm thinking of remember yeah, that yeah. Crimson Tide is was in the submarine, whoa. which I also saw as well. Whoa. Whoa. And I was a lefty sunshine, like Sunshine too. I, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, did you get that? You got that a lot. Did you get I would. Well, the night before we played Oklahoma at Texas, we went to see that movie. Oh, right. Huh. And the team started going, Sims! Uh, as soon as he started playing, that's Sims! <laughs> so, yes, I did get that. You were sunshine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I messed up that movie. I saw Crimson Time no, as well. Yeah, I mean, with he and Gene Hackman, that put him in his house, place. I mean, yeah. it was like like Gene hit him like twice. Yeah, and pops. But like, you still look like I, I don't know if I could pull that off. You could still look like a G after you got stole on twice, right? Mm. And he pulled that off. But I, it was I loved he and Tony Scott's uh, chemistry. And Man I loved on Fire he, was amazing. I was one of those. I mean, I watch it. I watch it every year. Like uh, Tony Scott had that run with like Domino and Man on Fire, where yeah. it was just the cuts and the flashbacks yeah. and the and how still, aggressive that kind it was. of that style of film. Making's getting used today. Yes. He's ahead of his time, really. And uh, so, I mean, I, I, he and Spike combination of uh, Malcolm X is one of my. See, I can't. I, that yeah, was hard. It depends on what month. I know. know I hear me. you. You know what I mean? This month right now is Malcolm X, but a month ago it was Man on Fire. A month yeah. before that was Crimson Tide. A month before that it was uh, what's the uh, Training Day. So, yeah. Training uh, Day is much probably ado about the most nothing. I love quoted that one movie. What is your favorite movie of all time, Sims? My favorite movie of all time is probably The Godfather One and Two. Okay, one so and two, two. Yeah, yeah, one and two. I can almost count them as the same two. thing. Right, yeah, right, right. but yes, yeah. yeah, they were that. That is that is one and Coming two. Coming to America me. is probably one of my favorites. It's up there. I could watch that. Always. It's up there. Yeah. Yep. Mine is uh, Ace Ventura 2 and Nature Calls. Oh, nature. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What were you in the jungle? That was the glove. fake smile. Like, you're <laughs> he an idiot. He said like a glove. <laughs> you're He's an, an Eagles fan and he knows <laughs> lines from Ace Ventura 2. Oh, I got him on break. Didn't he because say like your glove in a month? I think, I think the problem like is when you glove. ask someone, uh, damn. Yeah, I think he did. No, he mentioned it. He parks in one and goes like a glove. But he says it again in two. No, I mean, because the thing flips and it lands. But he said it in one. That's where it started. Damn. Very good. My thing, though, is when you ask someone what's your favorite movie I always feel like they're trying to impress you and they don't give the movie they want to watch the most they give the one that's like been also Yo, critically acclaimed they're like oh I love uh, Dances with Wolves I was, by the way, I, that's one of my favorites too, it is I one mean, of my like, favorites like are you kidding me like that's Tatanka. my like, come on man yeah. 
So we do a thing during the season when we're, we have to bet on games, and I've beaten him now for four years in a row, even yeah. though he played and is a professional. Uh, I'm a better gambler. <laughs> and what happens is sometimes mascots come up. Okay. And we were doing the bills, and he just kept going, Tatanka, Tatanka. <laughs> and I had never seen it, and I was like, this oh, guy's losing oh. his mind. Oh, yeah. And then when I saw it, right. yeah, it, yeah. it really is great. It's, it's great another movie, movie that makes you hate white people. Oh, yes. Hate white people. Yes. It does. You're just like, you ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. just, they have a civilization, and they're not harming anybody. <laughs> right. And they're literally dancing with animals. Yes, they I are. Know. They have intertribal wars. They over, they were hurting each other. Yeah. But, let, so, I mean, but we didn't have to kick them out and exterminate them. I mean, that's why we went too far. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not signing with the. Can't no, believe you, John Dennett, signing with just like Westward expansion. Yeah, that Klansman thing is not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking oh, news, Spike. What were you thinking? Uh, this was fun. I had a good time. Yeah, thank you. You're for a good dude. Thank you. Uh, no, you are a good dude. I want to. How did you watch the Super Bowl? Oh, how did I? So, I, like, yeah, what was your setup? So that whole uh, I watched it by myself because I was too good emotional. For you. I couldn't be with. It. I no. couldn't interact with people. I, you know, I, I was focused. And the whole playoff run, I, did, I never watched the first quarters. So that, how did that like, happen? You just missed the first I one. You're like, now it's a trend. Yeah, and then yeah. they were. I was like, you know what? Because I was, I was a little nervous about. about of course, the, yeah. About about Nick home. Falls. I was a little nervous. He was I'm little, sorry, Falls. Yeah. My bad. We believe, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, and then it just and it worked. He missed I, practice today. Did he? He's tight in the upper body. It says. It's okay. It's like, yeah, oh, you're yeah, screwed. It's in over. A great position right now. I didn't see Coming off the wind, no pressure. You can just hold the clipboard, right. chill, till it might be time again. I say I play fulls the first three weeks of the year. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, because here's the reason. Why? The reason that you keep foals is so that we don't have to rush back Carson Wentz. Carson, you're at like 85. Guess what? We have Nick Foles. He'll be fine the first few weeks of the year. They're both they're both men of God, and they both really respect each other. I don't think there's going to be any issue. Mm-hmm. And when Carson's ready, you bring him in. I think we have the rare opportunity to give him a longer runway. If he's 100%, let him play. But if you're kind of not sure about it, that's why you have Nick Foles. Like, I think this is a benefit, not a deterrent. All the TV shows are going to say, who do you play? Pick one. I say play both. Like, I just... But, I, but, but like, given the history of this league, when has it ever worked, a dual quarterback? In the, no, in the almost league? never. That's why I don't... I mean, I know what he's saying. I, I get too. you. I get it. Too. You know, but... They're just you're you're if he is close to playing Wentz, they almost have to play him. If you, you guys start if you start out three and zero with Foles, yeah. that's then the, that's, you might as well just try to trade Wentz and go with Foles in the future. The, the there issue, are right. easy right. games too. Like right. they so got the everyone's like, why would we bench Foles? We're three and zero, and you know the coaches might be s- like, well, he was playing average, but you know the fans don't really know that because we won, and yet he's still going to have to play. And you can sort of blame even if he's not 100 percent actually benefits the franchise. Like they can blame like well, he still wasn't quite ready. Right. 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 So they can play that angle, even if it's for mental purposes. So Super Bowl, you watch by yourself. Watch by myself. I didn't even eat. <laughs> I, did. I was like, "This is historic." Like I'm, yes. a, you know, I grew up. We we could never get past that hump. You know, can never get over the hump. So I'm just getting like the Reggie White days and the Fred Barnett and just yes. all these names were just in, in this history. Of, I met Randall Cunningham. He gave me his glove. He told me I could be anything I want to be. I appreciate that, Randall, because I'm doing that. I'm doing it. Do you Randall. guys realize you both had a Randall moment? I'm a huge Randall guy. Too. So he, you had a Randall moment at the Pro Bowl. Yeah, Randall well, was my him. guy. Well, he kept every time my dad played him back in the late '80s, early '90s. Right. He'd turn the corner and have a big run, or, <laughs> yeah. or Carl Banks would knock him on the ground. And he'd stiff arm the ground and pop up. So he'd do this stuff like you said to start the interview, where I would go, "Damn, I've never seen quarterbacks do this never. shit. I've never seen anybody outrun Lawrence Taylor around did he the give edge." You at the Pro Bowl. So at the Pro Bowl, I was obsessed. I wasn't. It was a quarterback challenge. Oh yeah, and I I, I was obsessed with oh, him. Yeah. and he was so nice and yeah. cool. As hell. And you're how old? And I'm 11, and I was like, "Damn, Randall likes me. We're buddies." 
bodies, and I just started following him everywhere in the hotel and like everywhere. <laughs> and like, he couldn't get rid of me. He was like, "Get this fucking yeah, kid away from me!" Yeah, uh, but he couldn't have been better. And there was the year he got hurt, and everyone was like, "You got to change the way you play." Right. And right. when we left the uh, quarterback Drew challenge, I got home. When yeah, it was right around that time. Right. He sent me all this stuff of like all his like uh, Randall, I'll be back running gear, wow. hats, t-shirts, water bottles. Wow. Yeah, Randall's That's the man. Dope. So you, you both were blessed by Randall. He did not give me the glove. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Just saying, it was pre-game, it was warming up, he gave me the glove. My dad's Phil, your dad's Denzel, you win. What do you mean? You win, you win the league. Like, yeah, you had the whole, I know, yeah, I know. You yeah. had the access. Yeah. You were following him around the hotel. I didn't get none of that. <laughs> he didn't want none of that, I can tell you that. That's awesome. John yeah. David, you're the man, dude. Yeah, Congratulations on anything. Check out Black Cat Klansman. It is uh, going to be all over every movie theater, pretty much. And then also Ballers. It's now, what, the third season? Four yeah. Fourth, fourth wow. season. HBO, we appreciate it. Yeah. Man. Dwayne. We're family. Yeah. We're all under the same umbrella. That's right. We just got, yeah, Time Warner. Yeah, we always were before AT&T. <laughs> we yeah, were with right. HBO. What's up, AT&T? <laughs> so they You're cut the man the checks. They're cutting the checks. Yeah, they Keep are. Keep kicking ass. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right.